Amen. They matter, don't they? Kids matter, and that's why on August 21st, we'll do a Royal Kids family camp at a, at a campground that's about 45 minutes away. We'll take 30 kids from the foster care system. We will treat them like royalty. We'll have a great big birthday party for them on Wednesday. They'll be with us for the entire week. We'll love on them. The theme for the week is Joseph. We'll have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, to encourage them. We'll have, some of them will fish for the very first time. Some of them will really go in the water for the very first time. And so it's going to be an exciting week. Thank you for your response. We had about 80 people that said they'd like to be a part of it. And so we, we're excited about that. What happens is this year we're allowed to have 30. In the future years, if this year goes well, we learn a lot. Then in the future years, we can host and have more. And uh, what we're just trying to do now is raise $30,000 to make this happen. If you can give, if you can sow, we would so appreciate it. Uh, over the next few weeks, just put in your offering memo, Royal Family Camp, to make sure that goes to that. And again, Pastor Andrew said it, but thank you so much for your generosity. We also had about 100 people at the foster care meeting on, on a Monday night. So our goal is to raise up about eight foster families a year that will partner, that will be a part of the network, and will partner with Chesterfield County DSS to, to be a safe place for these, home, for these kids. And uh, it's happening. Uh, this, can I just tell you a little bit more, and then I'll get into the sermon. This week, we also met with the state director of the Department of Social Services. He loves our model and what we're trying to do so much that he wants to take it to different cities around Richmond. So we found a church that's going to partner with us in Petersburg and Prince George to do the exact same thing we're doing. Then we're looking in Richmond, Henrico, Goochland, and Ashland to do the very same things and change change this, uh, not just change the world, but change a kid's world with the power of Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody. Isn't that excited? We care, we care about kids from hard places. We care about kids from, in challenging situations. That's why Clover Hill owns a home that houses uh, currently three girls that, that have found themselves in a hard place. They become pregnant or are pregnant. So them and their babies are living in, in what we've called the Grace Home. They're getting mentored. They're getting, helping them get their education, helping them uh, make, get ready for the next steps and what life might have for them. We, we care about that. That matters to us. We care about incarcerated kids. That's why every Sunday night, a group of us go to Beaumont Correctional Facility and pour into those inmates there that, that, uh, that, that really are desperately in need of the love of Jesus. We care for traffic kids. That's why we partner with Project Rescue, and we are playing a role in getting kids out of that industry and, and helping them find freedom through Jesus Christ. We, we care about hungry kids. We partner with Convoy of Hope to feed kids all over the world that otherwise would not have a nu nutritious meal. And, you know, we, we care about all kind of kids. And this morning, I want you to know we care about your kid. We care about the kid that lives under your roof. I care about the kid that lives under, under my roof. We, we, we want kids everywhere to flourish. And as I was preparing for this message, I, I, read a, I saw a, a coach that was very successful football coach in college, and, and uh, all the other coaches kind of looked up to him. He was, he was what they aspired to get to, uh, won a lot of things, did a lot of things. And uh, he was talking about the sacrifice that it took to get where he was, the long hours work, the time away from home. And he, and he said his thing was, I mean, the sacrifice is so hard, I barely know my kids. And I thought to myself, what, what a sad testimony. What a sad story. He might, 
he might have multiple championships and might be the, the greatest coach to ever live, but he's missed out on the most important thing that God had him to do. When, when we were first starting Clover Hill, I had a mentor and a coach. We called him Papa Qualls. He was an older gentleman that came in to kind of be the, 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 uh, uh, the fill-in pastor while we, were, while we were trying to get settled. And, and uh, I, the church had be, he was probably with us for the first two or three years. And the church had started to grow a little bit. And, and I, was, I was just really driven and really consumed with what was going on. And, and I wanted to do the very best that I could. And, and he took me out to lunch one day and he, and he said, Stan, I want you, will you just listen to me? Will you look at me? He's about 82 years old at this time. Will you just listen to me? He said, when I was pastor and I just started out, and we just started to have a family, and, and uh, one of my kids, I think he's got like seven kids, and the second or third kid was born, and my mother-in-law came to visit us and help us with the baby, and I was out a lot, and I was meetings, growing a church, building a church, and I got home, and I went to the crib where my baby was laying, and my picture was in her crib. A picture of, of, of Papa Qualls was in the baby's crib. And so he picked it up, and he got it, and he took it to his wife, and his mother-in-law was in the kitchen there. And they said, well, how did this get in my daughter's crib? And the mother-in-law spoke out. How many are grateful for mother-in-laws that, that aren't ashamed to say something? And she said, I, you're never here, and I wanted your baby girl to know who you were. And she said, and he, then he looked at me and said, Stan, no matter what you do, make sure your kids know you, and make sure you know your kids. It was the greatest advice, I think, as a young pastor I could get. And so after that, I really began to start reading parenting books. And, and my kids used to make fun of us because they'd say, well, what book did you get that out of? We, we, were just so, we were just so hungry. We just wanted to do it right the best we can. And I'll just say this from the, from the get-go. No matter how right you try to do it, you still get it wrong. And no, matter, and no matter how well you do, some kids just don't turn out the way you'd hoped or dreamed. But it's not over for them yet. The story's not finished yet. And I'm still praying for your prodigals and those ones that aren't, aren't, aren't maybe yet serving the Lord. But I started talking to other dads and trying to figure out how they had done it. I became intentional about being a father. I t- took it on as my number one responsibility. I was determined that I was not going to waste my influence or the time that I had with them or the opportunities that we shared to invest in their lives. And I had a great wife to keep me on track when I would, when I would get off. And, and because you just get preoccupied and you get busy and, and, and other things become more important. And I had, I had a good God that showed me a lot of grace. And, and offered me a lot of mercy. And I had great kids that, that, that were very forgiven when I blew it. But a result today, and, and again, I'm not, and by no means have I ever said I'm perfect or will I ever say I'm perfect because I'm not. And I struggle just like you do. But I got a 23-year-old, a 21-year-old, a 17-year-old, and I would rather hang out with them than anybody else in the world. I consider them my, my best friends, my boys. I, lo- I don't know if they'd say this, but I love doing things with them. I love hanging out with them. We still have to be intentional about our relationship. Don't get me wrong. We still have conflict in time times. But the greatest joy in my life is being a father. And now, because of Tyler, a father-in-law. And I've got a wonder, wonderful a daughter-in-law that I love like my own. And now we're trying to raise Micah, a six-year-old. And we're trying to, I'm, I'm trying my best as a little bit older and not as much energy as I once had, with kids anyway, to stay engaged and stay connected and raise him in such a way that blesses God and empowers him. And here's my goal, to leave a generation of grants that love God, have a heart for the church, want to make a difference in the world for the cause of Christ. 
And so today, though, we care about all kids, and it's very important about this royal camp that we get involved and, and we mentor and we coach and we come alongside and we give. It's very important that we go to the Beaumont Correctional Facility. That's our job. That's our role. That's what God has called us to do. But it's also very important we take care of the kids under our roof and that we intentionally become the parents that God desires and intends us to be. And, and, and maybe the greatest story on this in the Bible is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And, and, and Moses is getting ready to pass the baton to, to Joshua, his successor. And, and, and Moses begins to just describe all that God had done in their life. And so he takes them back to the miraculous uh, deliverance from Egypt. He again discusses briefly about the plagues and, and all that God did to, to just get them out of Egypt. Talked about the Red Sea, how God had parted it and made a way where there seemed to be no way. He talked about the angelic protection when they were fighting their enemies and God would show up and fight for them. He talked about the miraculous provision where God would send food from heaven and, and water from a rock. And he was remembering and, and he was thinking and he was reflecting. And, and he, was, he was passing the baton. He was, an, he was a leader that was well-respected. He was a saint in the community. And he had the attention of all of Israel. And he gathers them together. And he says, hey, let me just give you my final words. Let me give you my farewell speech. Let me give you my last state of the union. And here's why I want to do it. Here, here's why he was talking. Here was his hope. So that I want to tell you all this. I want to tell you what God did. I want to tell you what God is going to do. So that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord. I know there's a lot of things that are important. You're about to go into the promised land. You're about to, you're about to experience things you never experienced. But I want you to remember, don't you forget that it is vital that you that we pass down our faith, that we leave a legacy for our children, that they come to know Jesus, that they fear him as Lord. Why? So that all may go well with them. Serving Jesus is not easier, but it's better. And I want your kids, my, I want your kids to live the better life. I want your kids to live, your grandkids to live the better life. So we're going to teach them to fear the Lord. And so they may enjoy, because Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And the only way you can experience God-given abundant life is if you fear the Lord. So we're going to teach our kids and our grandkids to fear the Lord so that it may go well with them and that they might enjoy a long life. Isn't that what you want for your kids? Isn't that what you want for your grandkids, so they're on this short journey to the promised land. They're about to go in into to the next stage that God has for them. And if you skip down to verse four, here's here is here is Moses' final words. And I want to break it down for you. He says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul." And with all your strength. Here, here's the first thing Moses is telling the, these folks that have gathered around him. That are listening to him. The first thing he says. Hear O Israel. We'll come back to that. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. Uh, what he's trying to say. And I've already said it briefly. But it, it, he said listen guys. Don't forget this. Everything I've said. Everything I will say. Hinges on this one essential truth. This trumps everything. Our God is 
is God. It's all about Him. Everything is about God. If we don't start with God and continue with God, we'll wind up in the wrong place. Moses is making a point. It really doesn't matter what your kids know. It doesn't matter what your grandkids know. If they don't know what really matters, we're he- this Moses is hard. We're headed to the promised land. We're going to move into cities that you didn't build and homes that are filled with good stuff that you didn't provide. You're going to have wells that you didn't dig and, and vineyards and crops that you didn't plant. You're going to have more than enough than you'll need. And it will be heartbreaking if your kids enjoy the benefits and prosperity of a better lifestyle, if they live in a land where every need is met and most of their wants, but they never really know God. You can, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God. The Lord is one God. They call it the Shema. Every Hebrew kid since the time of Moses quotes that twice a day. When they get up and before they go to bed, it's a constant reminder that the Lord is our God and that he is one. The purpose is to stay focused on what really matters. And that's where I want us to focus our attention to today. When we talk about the kids under our roof, when we talk about our grandkids, and should the Lord tarry our, ki- our grandkids' grandkids, that, that, that we, the main thing, the greatest thing we can do for them is to pass on our faith. The purpose is to stay focused, to constantly to remind them that it's in Him that we live and move and have our being. That, van- that riches and wealth vanish, but, but, the, but the love of God can be trusted. That the world and its ways pass away, but the man who does the will of God will live forever. That the goal of every follower of Jesus Christ is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with his God. Most parents, maybe some parents, not all parents, can give their kids a lavish inheritance, but every parent can leave a godly legacy. And it's important, it's important that your kids attend the right college and they find the right career and they marry the right spouse and they have the right friends and they live in the right place. They're all important, but that is not the most important. The most important thing, Moses is exhorting, Moses is encouraging, Moses is emphasizing, leave a legacy. Leave a legacy of faith. Moses is reminding us, it's not what I give to my children. It's not even what I do for my children. What matters most is what I leave in my children. It's leaving a legacy. And thinking about this makes me nervous. If, if they're dependent on me to leave a legacy of faith, they're in trouble. The idea of me being the key influencer in my children's life and their walk with God, I don't know about you, but to me, it's overwhelming. I feel inadequate. I feel unqualified. When, when we first had kids, Angie and I, we made a, a little pact. We made a little decision that we weren't going to fight in front of them that we'd never let them watch TV, and they were never going to eat fast food until we realized that the only way we could fight is if they were watching TV eating a Happy Meal. <laughs> you, you go out with all these things you're going to do and not going to do, and then it winds up. Sometimes it's just, it's just a struggle. The pressure of trying to at least live up to a perfect father, perfect mother, do all that we can do, it, it can become overwhelming. It, became, it can even seem unrealistic and impossible. But I, I, want you to, I want you to 
understand what the definition of spiritual leadership is. Reggie Joyner came up with this, and he said, spiritual leadership, leaving a legacy. This is our role, parents, grandparents. It means that we assume the primary responsibility to help our kids to take the next step in their pursuit of a relationship with God. I don't have to be perfect. I don't, I don't have to, here, here, it kind of takes, I don't have to be a math major to help my kids with math. Unless it's like algebra and then, you know, but if it's like two plus two, I can do that. I, I, I don't have to be a doctor to help them when they're sick. I can give them some medicine. I can tuck them in bed. I can rub their back. I don't have to be a spiritual giant to help them take their next step in their pursuit of their relationship with God. Me and my dad are uh, just total opposites. He, he's very handy. He can fix just about anything. If it's more than it takes more than a hammer, you know, you don't even want me around it. You, you don't. Yesterday, uh, Micah, we got one of them little, you go to Lowe's and you get these little build-a-block things and you create, I mean, it's, I mean, it's got already pre-drilled holes and, and it's got very clear directions and, and I'm struggling putting together a little car that it says it's for ages five to seven. I just struggle. I, I tell him I can't be good at everything. I just struggle at that kind of stuff. Not my dad. My dad loves camping in the woods. He loves the outdoors. He loves hiking. I love a, I love a Marriott hotel by the beach looking at it and enjoying it. He's a, he loves to spin. I, I'm a tightwad. He's the most generous. He has the biggest heart. He'll serve anybody. And, and I would just say God's still working on me. He loves fishing. I love basketball. I would not call my dad a spiritual giant, by no means. But my dad has influenced my faith. My dad has helped me all along my journey to take the next step in my pursuit of my relationship with God more than anybody else. And, and here, here we, he, we were, and let me just give you some examples. We were a military family, so we moved every three years. Every time, my dad spent 25 years in the military. Every time we moved, the first thing we did was find a Bible-believing church. And, and, and we'd go to that church, and we would be active in that church, and we'd integrate with that church. And, and we would, my dad would find a place to serve in that church, and he would make sure we would connect it in kids' church. And then we went to youth ministry, and if they had church on Sunday night, we went. If they had church on Wednesday night, we went. And we were going to be grounded, and we were going to be connected to a local church. When I was in high school, uh, middle school rather, my dad became a deacon in the church that we were a part of. And there was some struggles with the pastor. You know, I'm just a 13, 12, 13 year old kid. I don't know what's going on totally, but it's a small church, 150 people. There's a lot of talk. I go over to, to other deacons' homes to play with their kids, and they're bashing the pastor, and they're, they're being critical of the vision, and they're, they're, they're just murdering everything the church is trying to do. And, and I go back to my dad, and I'm, Dad, what's up with Pastor Altman? Is he in trouble? Is he, are they going to make him leave? What's going to happen? And my dad would always back the pastor. He would always speak well of the pastor. He would always say, son, this is God's church. There are people in the church that, that can kind of mess it up, but God's going to build his church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. We're committed to this thing, not because of everybody else, but because God called us to. He was just helping me. When, when we'd move from town to town, he would find young soldiers. He'd find, you know, they go in the army 18, 22 years old. He'd find these young men, and he would bring them to our house, and he loved doing projects, and, and so he'd, he'd, he'd allow them to to help him with, a, not allow him, but, 
but partner with them to help in a project. They'd have meals with us. We'd take them out to dinner on Sunday after church. They would ride to church with us. My dad just felt a calling to mentor these young men. I never heard him pray with them. I never even heard him really talk about the gospel with them. But I heard him share with them and, and, and instruct them and help them and encourage them. When, when, I, uh, when we started this church, he would drive 92 miles to be a part of it. And again, I, I mean, I, 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 me and my dad have never went through a Bible study together. I've, I've never, I, I've, I mean, I would not call my dad this spiritual giant. I, I just knew we started the church. I said he'd drive 92 miles. What he was saying with his actions were, I believe in you. What you're doing matters. You're making an investment, and I'm willing to take the drive. He would take our kids. The first time I saw him cry was I was 10 years old. He, I mean, he was a, he's a super soldier, a man's man, and he had just whipped me, and I deserved it, and I needed it. And, and, and I, I left the room, and when I came back, he was lying on the couch crying. And, and, he, and, he, and I, you know, it just broke my I realized at 10 years old that it really did hurt my dad more than it hurted me. And he, and he just revealed to me with his actions and his cares. You know what he was doing in his own way? Not a spiritual giant, not a, not a Bible guru. He couldn't quote a lot of scripture. He couldn't, he, 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 he loved God and knew God, but he, in his own way, he took it upon himself to help me take my next step in my relationship with Jesus. And, and you know, my mom and dad, March 1st, they celebrated 54 years of marriage. I heard them want to kill each other on several occasions, but I've never heard the word divorce in my home and when I was growing up. And they just, they just, they just mentored it and modeled it. And, you know, I, I, my dad's 74, 75 years old. He's not going to live forever. But I do know this. His legacy is going to live on. It's going to live on through me. And if I'm faithful, it's going to live on through my boys. And if they'll remain faithful, it will live on through their boys. See, see that's what... That's what uh, Moses is trying to tell us, to leave a legacy. Our primary role as parent, as grandparent, is to teach our grandkids and our kids how to, how to revere God, to love him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and so that it might go well with them, and so that they might enjoy a long life. Leave a legacy. He, let, let's go on, he goes on to say, or he doesn't go on to say, I wanted to start with that because that's primary, but I want to come back to this. And he says, hear, O Israel, because in the context of leaving a godly legacy, Moses was not thinking they'd do it by themselves. If you're trying to do it by yourself, you're, you are going to struggle. In this context, there would be 80 people oftentimes that would be considered a family. They would have kids and and, and grandparents would live there, and aunts and uncles, and, and, and I mean, they, it was a big, it was a big family. And Moses is saying, if we're going to ensure that we pass our faith along to the next generation, it's just not the responsibility of the parent, but it's our responsibility as parents to widen the circle. And what does that mean in our context? It means that mom and dad, we have to be intentional about involving or allowing other adults to be involved in the lives of our kids who say and reflect what we're saying, who instruct and teach what we, what we want. Here's the principle, lean on others. Lean on others to kind of fill in your gaps. And, and, and I can't tell you the number of times my boys would come home and they would quote something a coach said or their youth pastor said or a mentor said. And I would say, I, you know, I think to myself, I've been saying that for 16 years. 
Why are you just now getting this? Because they were hearing it a different way, because they were at a different stage, and they needed a different voice. You cannot be the only voice to your kids. You need somebody else that you trust that can come alongside. If your goal is to leave a legacy, one of the smartest things you can do is to participate in a church where you can find the right kind of influence for your kids. To just let you know, children need more than just a family to unconditionally nourish and love them. They need a community, a tribe that gives them a sense of belonging and significance. And, and, and I would just say in my life, and I said it a few weeks ago, but I'm indebted to the women that have spoken into my 17-year-old daughter's life, like Heather and Becca and, and Lindsay and Alex, that have come alongside of her in really life-forming decisions and been a voice other than her, than, my, than her mom's and mine to speak into. And that, but they're saying the same thing, maybe just saying it in a, another way. Dad is supposed to say that. He's dad. But these people, they've, they're a little bit younger. They, they know... They, they know more than dad. He's out of touch. He's out of loop. And that's speaking into their hearts. For my boys, men like J.D. Jones, who took an interest in Tyler and helped him with his business and came alongside of him. Randy Schick, who, who has just come alongside my kids, uh, Eric and Trevor and, and everybody else that's been involved in their lives. It, I could not. See, if we're going to parent alone, we're not going to make it. We got to leave a legacy, but we need others. We need, others, we need others to speak into their lives. We need to be the other. I need to be looking for kids outside of my, under my roof that I can come alongside of a parent and echo the same thing and say the same thing. That's why our kids workers are so important. And we, we are working hard to train, to, to recruit, train, and retain kids leaders that will be here on a regular basis that will walk with your kids throughout throughout their elementary whatever years, that is a consistent, constant voice in their lives to speak into them. Maybe you're supposed to be one of those, those that speak into. May, we, we work hard at getting youth leaders that will come along because we believe small group, big group. We, we worship in rows, but we do life in circles. We need small group leaders to invest in our young people, kids that are under our roof. We care about all kids, kids from hard places, from incarcerated places, but we care about our kids too. And we better, we better partner together, the church and the family. That's why I don't, I don't want to get on a soapbox. So Trevor, come back before I get on a soapbox and, and get ready to close this thing. But church better matter. It better be important to us. If we're going to leave, if you don't care about leaving a legacy, if your priorities, if you don't care that God matters most and people matter most and eternity is forever, then don't worry about it. But if you understand that this is not all there is, that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, that one day you're going to stand before God and give an account, that this, that this life, that every person is, and I don't want to, Man, aren't you glad you came to church today to get blessed out by your pastor? You, we need this. We need this. It matters, and you're going to get preoccupied, and you're going to get caught up in other things, and, and you're going to get stressed out about And that's why you come to church, and that's why you have a pastor to say, stay focused. Focus on what really matters. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? but lose his soul. My 
My, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, if he, bigs, if he builds the biggest churches, if he has thousands of people to preach to every Sunday but loses his family? And, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why one of the reasons I've not lost my family, because this is a great church that has loved me just like I am, that has not set any expectations on my kids that they couldn't live up to, this has been a church that, is, that has just blessed us, that has been so good to us. You, you have been, I just, I, I can't say it enough how sweet you've been to me and my family. And we are indebted. And today, because of your, because of your sweetness and your kindness and, and, and because we don't have a church that everybody's fighting and everybody's backbiting and they're wrestling about things that really don't matter and, and, you're, and you're allowing me to be me because we have that kind of setting I, I don't know about everybody my kids are flourishing because of you and I, and, I'm, and I don't mean they're perfect but they're still in the game because we partner together and, th and that's what I want for you I, I just I want to partner with you as a church. I want to encourage you today to leave a legacy. There's, there's more to this. Maybe I'll hit it next week and in the future. But I want us to pause right now. And I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Maybe you needed to be reminded that family matters. Well, it's too late. It's not too late. Make a phone call. Write a letter. Apologize. Offer grace. Maybe, maybe you're thinking today, I can never do it. I don't know enough. I'm not spiritual enough. You can do it. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can make a difference in the life of your kid. You can live out your faith. You can pass on a legacy to the next generation. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of Jesus, you can do it. Pastor, I've messed up myself. Well, then ask for forgiveness from God and for those that you've offended or hurt. And let's get up and move on now. Let's take from this day forward. From this day forward, take a moment. Will you just ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me. What are you saying to me? And as he speaks to you, reflect on it and then ask him to help you. Pray for your kids. Pray for your grandkids in this moment. Lord, in spite of me, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd get a hold of my kids. Lord, that they'll love you with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their strength. That they'll have an encounter with you, God, that will change them for now and forever. Why don't you stand with me, will you? And, and uh, I, I want to close with this. There's, there's more to this verse. You can read it. And even in your, Andrew mentioned your Bible app. 
If you go on there, the points are there. The, there's some scripture there. I didn't get to the third point, but I want to I close with this. This is how Moses wraps it up. He says, be careful. Be careful. Will you say be careful? Be, will you say that a better? Be careful. Say that, will you? I'm messing you up. There you go. One, two, three. That was harder than it was supposed to be. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. You know why Moses has to say be careful? Because it's easy to do. We start thinking of scholarships and awards. We start thinking about jobs and colleges. We start thinking about popularity. And we forget the Lord. And, And Moses is saying this is what matters. The Lord matters. Don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, who rescued you, who saved you, who set you apart out of the land of slavery. We weren't brought out of Egypt, but we were brought out of sin. And sin had us enslaved. And sin held, had us held captive. But by the grace of God, he has set us free. Therefore, be careful that you don't forget the Lord. Bow your heads and your hearts with me one more time. Maybe you're here today and you've never been set free. You've never asked Jesus into your heart. You've never never surrendered to him. You've never given him your all. You've never repented. You've never turned to him. And today you realize you need Jesus and you want to do that. I want to pray with you. I want to help you to take the first step in your relationship with Jesus. This is what I would say. I would say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for trying to do it my own way. Forgive me for my sin and my shortcomings and my failures. Will you forgive me today? Will you cleanse me today? Will you wash me today? I repent from my sin. I turn from it and I turn to you. And I invite you to be the Lord and the leader of my heart and my life. This is what I would say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender to your will. Surrender to your heart. Pastor Andrew is going to come up and give you some next steps. Before I head to our other campus and share this word again, I, can I just encourage you guys, let's do this. Let's pass our faith to the next generation. Let, let, you know, they say 80 to 90% of our kids are leaving their faith. That's unacceptable. Not on our watch. Not in our house. We're not perfect, but we're going to depend on God. We're going to pray regularly. We're going to model what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to believe God to get a hold of our kids and to pass our faith from generation to generation to generation. Amen, everybody? Amen.